From the shores of Summer Lake in Tigard, Oregon, it's the Portland Tim Beers Podcast, a show featuring two guys who love craft beer and Portland timber soccer. And now, here are your hosts, Jason and Gary. Tim Beers, I'm Jason. I'm Gary. And uh, Gary's wearing beaver colors. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. Either that or it's Halloween. No, no, no. This is red, not orange. Very big distinction. What? This is not orange. It looks like orange in this lighting. No, no, this is red. The way it's glistening off your eyes. No. I would never wear beaver colors. Why? I'm not a beavers fan. You're sitting above a a beaver flag and you almost blend right into it. And uh, you got like beaver stuff on the wall. That's Portland beavers, dude. Well, it's no, it is. is it? Yeah, Portland Beavers. That's the uh, baseball team that used yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, here we are minding our own business, and then a podcast broke out. Ooh, boy, did it! What'd you uh, What'd you pull? <laughs> Whatever a first beer was, Mexican hot cocoa. That explains it all. <laughs> Way to start it off with a kick. This is the brewing project. Oh, Mexican hot cocoa. It's an imperial stout with <laughs> chipotle peppers. Okay. Yep. Chocolate, cinnamon, and vanilla sitting at 11%. So Jason just poisoned <laughs> Gary. Yeah, it's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. 11%. That's not what I'm worried about. It's the peppers. <laughs> How is it? It's spicy. Is it nuclear? Uh, it's not nuclear. That they did a good job of uh, keeping the spiciness under control. The chocolate's good. Yeah, the chocolate's really good. It tames that spiciness. Ooh, the um, spice is on the back end. Ooh. It's definitely on the back end. Yowzer. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the chocolate is like the crazy. chocolate is really good. Yeah, I like that. I like that beer. If they would do a version of that beer without the uh, pepper in it. It'd be fantastic. Well, we are doing a uh, chocolate beer thing tonight, with yeah. the exception of one. So, I don't think that was planned. I think they are all chocolate, aren't they? Nope. The last one's not? The last one's not. The last one's called Old Ball Kicker. No, no. It's it's as dark as these chocolate <laughs> ones is. <laughs> that uh, last one is from Skookum, which is who we're doing our interview with tonight. Yes. Midnight something. Yeah, it's Shadow Rising. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, four beers here tonight. We've got a uh, packed evening for you. Not as uh, packed from the last few weeks with the Legacy Series. Right. So uh, we've got a interview we recorded back at Hopfest when we were with Chris Baum over at Varietal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hollis from Skookum showed up. And we got some time with Hollis, so we'll learn about what's going on with Skookum and where he's off to, because he's no longer there. Correct. So, uh, he took off about a month after that interview, so yep. we'll uh, connect with him. And then also, we have an interview with uh, Art Lawrence about Hillsborough Fest. So, Which is coming up. Coming up. Got to get tickets. So, hey, did you know Tim's in Hawaii? A big shock. Yeah. He, he's either in Hawaii or he's in uh, Disneyland. Yeah, I just, did you know he's in Hawaii? If you don't if you don't know, he'll tell you. Uh, I knew he was in Hawaii because he <laughs> said something about downloading the last podcast, 
But Jamie said they could listen to it when they were touring the North Shore. And then he took pictures of his beer and then telling us he's going scuba. Isn't that just nice of him? Yeah. So, yeah. Nonstop. Just so, rubbing it in. Rubbing it in. That's Timmy Boy. Like I said, he lives a charmed life, man. <laughs> One day you and I can live that charmed life. I don't know how she takes so much vacation. Ah, uh, well, it's good to be king, I guess. So I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. We've got to be kings. She's the king. Yeah, big time. All right. Well, let's jump into this. So, um, Skookum Brewing, um, up out of Arlington, Washington. Mm -hmm. Been around for a while. And, uh, again, we've got the chance to sit down with those guys. Let's uh, kick back, crack open a beer, and listen to Hollis from Skookum Brewing. All right, Jason from the Timbers here. So, again, Fresh Hop Ale Festival weekend. All sorts of guys coming in. And all sorts of people coming in because there's a lot of women brewers too. So. Absolutely. But uh, guys from Scoopum here stopped here over Varietal. So we thought we'd snag some of your time. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Yes, our pleasure. Why don't you tell uh, the listeners, first of all, introduce yourselves, um, and then tell us a little bit about Scoopum, where it's located, because you guys are a long ways away from home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm Hollis. I'm the uh, head brewer. And I'm Logan. I'm a sales rep and production worker as well. So you guys are road tripping on out here to Varietal, Sunnyside from Arlington, Washington. Yes. So, so it's about about a three hour trip. Nice. Always beautiful. You know. Cloudy. Cloudy there. Blue skies here. So. Schlepping beer. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Stopped in uh, Ellensburg on the way over and dropped some beer. Uh, pretty fair. Uh, place downtown that does a great job with great selection all the time so shout out to pretty fair so outside of pretty fair and outside of right all between here and arlington where am i stopping for where should i stop for beer honestly i love stopping at drew drew brew at the top of the pass um beer's great and it's just so unique you know how many how many breweries can you go to that are right on the top of a mountain pass and um, the scenery is amazing. So Drew Brew definitely is yeah, one of the ones where, you know, stop over for like a little hangover lager on the way home from Fresh Hop. So that's what I feel about Brawny R. I mean, Brawny R is just on the <laughs> Yeah, on 12 there. there. Yep, exactly. Like, so um, so what is Skookum known for beer-wise? So? Uh, known for hoppy beers and barrel-aged beers, if you want to narrow it down. that That's kind of what our, our shtick is, I think. Okay. So whether it's barley wine, stouts, uh, blended barrel aged beers and how big of a um, brewery what type uh, it's a it's a 10 barrel system uh, it's a century system which was they're no longer fabricating they were bought out uh they were from alexandria ohio but good equipment you still see a bits of it floating around here and there you know throughout nationally so and then distribution how's distribution work for you guys we're just in washington state right now so yeah and self-distribution uh self and we work with a couple distributors uh one over on the east side through spokane we work with uh, orcas here and um on the west side and then logan here does our surrounding counties on the north of us um and then we work with walton beverage that does um some of the stuff far out north and west and east that we don't want to spend time driving to so cool and then what about awards so everybody's in award season uh chris is uh basking in the glory of yeah that's freaking sick so (laughs) yeah i'm really proud of him um i was really stoked to hear that well deserved um we didn't do we didn't enter anything in gabf we've come over here and taken uh 
the Fresh Hop Trophy for IPA and the Fresh Hop Trophy for Pale, which was the first year we did Temple of Bloom with Chris uh, over at Skookum. We took first place for Pale, which was pretty awesome, um, especially something that was like, hey, let's do this, and completely worked. So it was fun to see something like that happen rather than something we've been trying to nail year after year after year, you know, so... Um, this year we're going to enter double IPA, so we're hoping for the trifecta. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> the throwdown is there. I mean, the cool thing about the Washington beer scene, much like the Oregon beer scene, everybody's very, very collective and, and works together and realizes that we're all in this together to sell beer. And There's really not like a place. We had talked about this on the way over. Like Washington and Oregon, it, in a way, if you think of Seattle and Portland, it's very isolated. I mean, you'd have to go all the way to California or maybe to Boise to run into the next like large metropolitan area. So um, it is a sort of everybody knows everybody in a way, yeah. unlike the rest of the country, like, you know, where it's just like major city after major city every few hours away. So it does get very close here where to the point where like small world type stuff well oregon and washington are interesting in that you've got the large metropolitan areas right yeah separated by other large like san francisco yeah but then you have a lot of clustering that goes on in the yakima the valley is yeah clustered. yeah bend has its cluster yeah and then in between there's almost nothing, and there's nothing right <laughs> yeah and it's yeah. interesting in these micro popping up of definitely super awesome beer right yeah so collaborations, you talked about collaboration with Chris and yeah. the group here. What do you guys, are you guys doing collaboration-wise? That's like the- we've done we've done a, a few beers. We did a barley wine together. What was that about two years ago? Year and a half. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I have no concept of time anymore. Kapow uh, with old school houses, like an annual one as well. Too. Oh yeah, oh, right. and then we did we did another like IPA, just kind of. It wasn't a fresh hop. It was just like, hey, let's make a beer together and use... We used a bunch of local malt, right? Uh, with, with the Chitty Chitty Bank. Chitty Chitty Dank Dank. <laughs> it was like Link, or was it... Uh... Uh, it was some oh, okay. Yeah, so we've done a few things, and... Um, so... Yeah, yeah, that's right. We wrote the recipe and collaboratively brewed it on our own system. So that was really fun to, you know, compare notes, so... Good old Mecca Great. We just had them on and uh, did a bunch of their beers. So it is crazy beer if you got a chance. It's totally experimental, but a PB and Y it's called, and it literally tastes like a freaking peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh. <laughs> like ridiculous, but outside of great grain. So cool. Well, um, so anything new on the horizon for Scoopum? Like uh, anything happening? Um. Well, we're we're rolling into like barrel season, so we've got probably almost 20 plus barrels that we need of different varieties of beer uh stout and old ale uh and then a, a coconut brown ale yeah we've got a lot of things to to get out of barrels and get in bottles so we meant to do them but these last couple of years it's just been weird with timing and schedules and then fresh hop came in and we're like okay everything's fresh hop right now so our first can conditioned beer oh yeah and we did a can conditioned beer yesterday so that'll sit in cans creating natural carbonation for the next two three months so um that'll be Older, interesting can conditioning different than bottle conditioning same thing, thing different format yeah. yeah i'm just wondering about sugar right so yep 
So cans only have so much to give. Yep. They're not blowing bottles. Yeah, uh, we worked with the the mobile canner. He's worked with other breweries that do can conditioning. So he went through the what they do, leave more headspace than usual uh, to make up for that pressure that's going to build, um, and things like that. So and uh, you know how you store the cans. You don't want them too dense to allow airflow and you know even conditioning so it's some good ideas actually from the mobile canner people that i wouldn't maybe not have thought of so hey follow-up question there so as you get busy and i'm just wondering how do you guys and maybe both of you could answer this determine when's the appropriate amount of time to pull something out of a barrel versus god if you get slammed and you find an awesome collab to do or you're just behind does it almost sometimes benefit to push it off another three months six months certainly can't hurt sometimes yeah i mean there is there is that that perfect window a lot of brewers just maybe it's kind of an arbitrary number but oh it's a year is usually a good saturation time you've had every season go by so you get the nice at least in our facility we don't have ac we have heat but you get these nice temperature fluxes where um you know the barrel expands and contracts and you know how that works you, you take on different flavors just like storehouses would in kentucky with their bourbon they don't insulate them they just let them you know go to the elements a lot of the time um, so that'll pull different things from the barrel um, so a full season is always good um, we just canned something that was a blend of 22 months 14 month and 10 month stout so um, sometimes it's nice to bring in different components where the older stout is way more woody and the newer one is softer and smoother with more of those bourbon hits so um it's always fun i mean and then just tasting barrels too sometimes they'll just talk to you be like no that's too hot or it needs time or it hasn't taken on enough barrel character so kind of just being in tune with your um your cellar so cool well gentlemen appreciate your time yeah uh, awesome that we got to connect with you i mean again um so, awesome relationships here in Washington. Again, these guys rolled up in their panel van with some beer, and yep. uh, Chris was like, "Yay!" And, so, <laughs> and you guys are excited, so I'm glad we could uh, steal you away for oh, a yeah. few seconds. And definitely, um, come by the booth tomorrow. Yeah, then, come by the Scoop booth. Okay, okay, yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, you guys are out of the Ale Festival tomorrow. Yep. And, yeah, uh, we'll be pouring our collaboration along with a couple fresh hot beers, and then we've got some crazy barrel aged stout just when people get hop burnout. So. <laughs> which usually actually goes over really well and we blow the keg because people get that you know i need something that's not fresh hop for half a second fantastic good because we bought those darn vip passes to get in so oh, far and i'm like that's what i need is another hour to get in for free beer we we it's funny because we for the vip not to you know drag this on but we brought one fresh hop beer but we also brought a really light dry lager for those people that are like, God, I just need something like a, I need to drink this lager to sober up so I can go drink more fresh hot beer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. and I was just like, oh my goodness. It's, so it's not going to be as bad as Dark Arts. We were at Dark Arts. So oh yeah, that's. Ago, and that was brutal. Stay on the sidewalk. Yeah, and. Uh, that's a tummy full. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he, uh, he met the Astoria police, so wandering the sidewalk. Like, hey, at least, right. at least you were walking. Yeah. <laughs> I did not get arrested. Did I did not, not get a ticket. Not, but, um, but yeah, so we look forward to seeing you guys. Thanks for uh, the time. Yeah. And, uh, Chris, thanks for, again, hosting, man. So awesome beers. Awesome place. Again, check out Skookum. Check out Varietal. 
And uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Appreciate it. Yep. All right, we're back. Huge thanks to Hollis and Logan, man. So, Skookum Brewing. Good interview. Yeah, it was really good. good interview. Good. Yeah, I was glad uh, Chris kind of waved them over as they were coming in, and they were obviously there to see Chris, not us. Exactly. <laughs> but we did what we normally do. We just kind of... Bogart. Bogarted it. Said, hey, you want to get in on this action? Sure. Well, and so now we're drinking. We'll skip over a couple beers here that we're drinking. Come back to them, but we're drinking one of Skookum's beers. We one are. of Hollis's uh, Pride and Joys. Yeah. So this is the Shadow Rising, and this is a uh, huge, huge beer, barrel aged Imperial Stout, twelve percent. It's a blend of Imperial Stouts aged in bourbon barrels for six to fifteen months, finished on toasted coconut, coffee beans, and whole vanilla. And it is. It is big. so good. Yeah. <laughs> big, big beer. Um, very thick. Very. A lot of bourbon barrel up front. Yep. Then it te- like dies down. You get the toasted coconut and then the vanilla. And it blends perfectly. Oh, yeah. Whatever they did, they did it to exquisite perfection. I mean, very, this beer is amazing. Very good. So. Glad we had this. Uh, again, huge thanks to the uh, guys over at Skookum. So I was looking it up, and Hollis um, took off about a month after that interview. Uh-huh. Um, and I think Logan went with them, too. And they took off to the East Coast and are at Evergreen Brewing in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. Evergreen Brewing. Evergreen. Grain. 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 Yeah. Okay. So, and where at? In uh Pennsylvania? Camp Hill, Pennsylvania, yeah. Now, didn't he say he was doing that because he had family back there? I don't remember if he said he had family, but I know he wanted to do something totally different out of the uh, Seattle yeah. beer scene. Yeah. And uh, that's where they're at. So, But, um, again, Hollis, Hollis was a huge, huge part of Skookum. I mean, yeah. basically took them uh, and put them on the map. And a lot with their milkshake and fresh hop IPAs. He was really, really proud of those fresh hop IPAs. Yeah. And uh, and then they had a huge barrel aging program, too, and turned out, again, like Shadow Rising and some of this other stuff. So Very um, talented brewer. Yeah, he's been fantastic. He'll do well in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Um, and we talk, it's kind of like what we talked with South Dakota last week, picking up and going to South Dakota. Can you pick up from the Pacific Northwest and make your beers translate someplace else? Yeah, and I don't know. I, re- I don't know that the answer to that. I think it really has a lot to do with the beer environment that you're moving into. Um, and, and if they're if they've never tasted those beers, you kind of have to have a really open audience that they're willing to try those beers. Then they may take off, they may not. But if if you don't have that open audience to begin with, you're dead in the water. Yeah. Yep. Well, um, again, good, good beer. Shadow Rising. If you can find a can of that, which there's not many around. No. It's fantastic. So it's amazing beer. Now I'm regretting drinking mine. About a month ago. And not hanging on to it, huh? Yeah. Well, it's freaking phenomenal. Well, so uh, what else you drinking, dude? You brought a beer. What'd you bring? Uh, let's see. I brought a beer by uh, Three Creeks Brewing, and it's their Five Pine 
chocolate porter. It's a 6.2% ABV uh, beer. The interesting thing I found out about this one is that they put two pounds per barrel of the finest Belgian dark chocolate right into the beer. Wow. Which, I, you know, I didn't think that they would actually put the actual chocolate into the beer because of the fats and the rancidness or whatever that you might have to encounter. So it's, uh, it's definitely definitely a feat that they pulled off. Yeah, that is. It's good. I know they make a uh, Ten Pine, which is their double Imperial as well. So, oh. And you see that. We go over all the time over to the Bend area. Yeah. Stop it. And about this time of year, they have Ten Pine on draft. Um, and it's pretty good. Good stuff. So it's I like the beer. Five Pine and Ten Pine. It's good beer. All right. Well, so far we've had the Mexican Hot Cocoa. I'm curious the, what their uh, total ingredient package is in that. On the hot cocoa? Yeah. Yeah, you were saying you taste something else in it. Um, but this is by the Brewing Pro- Project. Project. The <laughs> Brewing Project. Um, and again, Imperial Stout with Chipotle peppers, chocolate, cinnamon, and vanilla. Um, I don't know where these guys are at. What did you taste in it? You know, I'm. I, it's, it's probably not even in the beer, but... Now that you're saying it with the vanilla and the pepper and the chocolate taste, it's really weird because it gives it, um, you did a beer a while back. That was an expensive freaking that beer. That was <laughs> probably the most expensive beer you've ever brewed. Uh, totally. And what was that ingredient? That was saffron. Saffron. Yeah. Had a very, very, very super florally note to it yeah it was almost like eating flowers um which with some of the people at work that you had loved it the women loved it for some reason but i'm catching hints of that in that hot chocolate one and i'm wondering if it's just that that mixture of chocolate and vanilla and and pepper that gives it that note but there's definitely a big punch of floral right after the first taste of it See, I don't get a ton of the floral, but I definitely get um, the cinnamon and then the pepper at the end. A lot of pepper. And then, like, the most crazy chocolate that I've ever had of a beer. Like That chocolate's amazing. Yeah. And then uh, beer number two for us is Rogue's Chocolate Stout, but this is the Nitro. On the version. Nitro. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that's a um, nice little beer. Um, it's interesting. The Nitro doesn't play out it like I would have thought it. Not on that one. Yeah. Uh, it's not like got that velvety, smooth thing to and, it. And I'm wondering if it's because where we have it in the lineup. Maybe. Following that big chocolate peppery beer. Um, and then getting that that silky, smooth flavor profile that you get from, from a nitro beer. It, it definitely, it feels more like it's thin. Than it does yeah. that silky smooth. Yeah, it doesn't have that big, thick chocolate stout taste. It's kind of Mm-mm. a thinner beer. And I think that's what it is for me, is that the beer itself, I think, is thin. Yep. And then they tried to nitro it. And that it didn't do anything for it. So it's got it like low on the body side. And yep. It's interesting. All right, well, let's uh, tune in and see what's going on with Art Lawrence and the Hills Brew Fest. I'm with Art Lawrence. From the uh, Oregon Brewers Festival, Cascade Brewing. Art, man, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast. Good morning. Let's talk about beer. 
Indeed. Let's talk beer, man. So are, you have this uh, Hills Brew Fest on February 25th to the 27th at the uh, Hillsboro Events Center. Uh, what made you want to do this? Uh, why create a brew fest out in the west side? Well, we have a great facility out in Hillsboro that Washington County has built. And I thought that it fit us ideally. We could go inside and have a beer festival inside and introduce people to some beers that they haven't tried before. Specifically, specifically from Washington County. we got seven beers that are local to Washington County. And Washington County is a real growing beer mecca right now, and we wanted to feature some of their beers and local food. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about the event space. So Hillsborough isn't known for having a big event space. Um, where's it at, and why would you pick Hillsborough? Well, it's nearly 40,000 square feet inside. It's a beautiful building. It's a year old or so, and it's ideal for a small festival. We've got uh, parking, and you can take TriMet to get there. You can take the train to get there. Uh, there is on-site parking for $10. But we think that a lot of people will want to come out from downtown, take the train out, have some beers, get a ride home. So that's fantastic. I mean, Hillsborough is kind of up and coming. With you got the hops. you got uh, that big football stadium out there. And now they got their uh, brew festival out by the fairgrounds. So certainly helps that uh, you got public transit right there, too. So... Um, so is this going to be like OBF or is this totally different? Well, we're not going to have tokens. You get a, you buy a little coupons and you drink beer from that. Uh, we're going to have music a group called the Denominators. We'll be playing three nights. So, uh, you can do some dancing and that's different than the brew fest. We'll have, uh, three local restaurants from Hillsborough. We'll have, uh, a Choa's Mexican food, Coyote's Bar, and Flying Barracuda Barbecue. Be nice choices. We also have two ciders. And for those that aren't drinking, we have Crater Lake Root Beer. So the question of the uh, interview, I mean, who's coming? What kind of beer are you going to have? How'd you select the beer? Well, from Washington County, uh, let me read off my list here. Uh, we have, of course, my brewery, Cascade Brewing. We have Ridge Walker from Forest Grove. We have Three Mugs from Hillsborough, Vertigo from Hillsborough, Deep Space, Binary, Stickman, and Slow Drift from out at Gales Creek. Oh, nice. And uh, then we also have Cooper Mountain. And then uh, from down in Willamette Valley, we have Parallel 45. And then we have some of the, the Deschutes, uh, Good Life, Boneyard, Worthy, Wild Ride, Fort George, Pelican, Free, Little Beast, Coin Toss. Gigantic, Stormbreaker. These are all names that are familiar to you. Some of them will bring out a beer for the first time that they will be introducing at our beer festival. That sounds fantastic. So I know we talked several years ago about um, what would make OBF better, and it's these one-off beers, and you've kind of taken it a step beyond, which is uh, one-off beers but Oregon Brewers. So it's going to be great. I think this is going to be a fantastic festival. So. Um, where can we get tickets? How much? Costs $30 to get in, and you get uh, a sheet with uh, 10, you can have 10 samples. Off of that, a sample is uh, one ticket, which is $2, $6 for a 14-ounce glass, and it's $10 admission to get in. All right, buddy. Well, Hillsbrew Fest, February 25th to the 27th, out in Hillsboro. Go to hillsbrewfest.com pick up some tickets. Gary and I, of course, will be out there. Art, man, appreciate the uh, time once again. Thank you.
All right, man. Art Lawrence, Hills Brew Fest. You in? I'm in. You're in? I'm in. What about Tim? Tim's probably not in because he thinks he's still in Hawaii. He thinks he is, but he yeah. didn't read the freaking email or text. He And he probably didn't go back and look at it. No, either. he didn't. He didn't. So, I even sent them link to the Hills Brew Fest. No, I know. Oh, well. He doesn't pay attention to detail. No, no, not guy. So, all right. Well, um, we got to buy those tickets. We got to go to the hillsbrewfest.com and pick those bad boys. We got to hope they're not sold out. Yeah. And we probably should do that right after this uh, interview here. Very definitely. The uh, podcast tonight. <laughs> not that interview, but. No, the we already did the interview. Yeah, so. It's already done. All right, man. Well, let's uh, jump into our favorite little segment. We interrupt our program to bring you a special broadcast. In the news. Oh, yeah. We're only a week removed, dude. There's not a ton of beer news in this world. Oh, you want some great news? <laughs> yeah. Break you it. might already have it on there. Breaking news. But Breaking news. Breaking would be that Guinness will do a non-alcoholic release of their beer in March in the United States. Ooh. So they're doing a Guinness Stout, the dry stout? Guinness Stout. stout non-alcoholic wow crazy huh i'm telling you it's crazy we talked about it here a few weeks ago the non-alcoholic brewers association it's happening it's happening huge yeah it is um i was over at john's yesterday yeah. john's market and they've got a whole in cap that's not non-alcoholic beer there's so, more and more of them popping up out there they got an in cap of gluten-free beer too whoa whole in cap Hey, they can't be crowding out my business. I'm telling you, they're, you and Moon Shrimp, you guys are in it to Man. win it. All right, so uh, in the news, uh, what do we got? Deschutes releases a non-alcoholic Black Butte. There you go. Isn't that timely? Isn't that timely? Got yeah. this uh, from the Bruce site, and uh, essentially the uh, Black Butte Porter... Uh-huh. Is going to be released here soon, and it's a non-alcoholic version. It's been two years in the making. Yeah, and they say it tastes exactly like the Black Butte Porter without the alcohol. Yeah, no, I mean, which is crazy. Now, the opposite of non-alcoholic beer is kombucha, imperial beer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stout month is returning for uh, Fort George. No way. Not Dark Arts. But Stout Month. So they've got a ton of stouts uh, on tap for um, Fort George. And so essentially they're releasing all their all their big dark stuff they normally do for Dark Arts. That's not in February, is it? Yep. Oh, God. We're not going. <laughs> I'm only going back to Dark Arts. Okay. All right. I, if we're gonna get, if we're gonna go to a shit show and we're gonna like totally get torn up, yeah, I'm gonna do yeah. it at the Dark Arts Festival. I want to well, be entertained. Now the question is, will they ever do a Dark Arts again? Oh, they will. They will. That will be the question. But they've got that whole club thing now, where you've got to be a member and then What's, they release yeah, tickets to them. What's first. up with that? Yeah. Well, I don't know. We're gonna find a way in. All right, so on that same note of non-alcoholic beer, we're just swinging back and forth here. Imperial, non-alcoholic. Yeah, that's two zero, extremes. How about a zero-carb beer? Oh, let me guess. Budweiser came out with a Bud Light yeah, releases there you go. next month. I'm guessing right around in the Super Bowl. Um, a zero-carb Bud Light. So there you go. Going to try right. to tap into that market. Trying to tap into the people. It, 
very timely too. You notice that? I believe it was 20 calories totally. So, so. they roll out right at the beginning of the new year when everybody's yeah. got their whole, hey, I need to lose weight resolutions going on. And that's when they pop that beer. I don't think they're dummies, man. I think they're smart dudes. Oh, they they're pretty smart. Beer. So. They just don't have great beer. And the last thing I've got is Denver is doing their collaboration festival. So they do a festival um, each year, and it's been off because of COVID. Okay. But it's the what they tout is one of the biggest collaboration festivals um, in the country. And so on April 2nd, the Colorado Brewers Guild will be uh, combining with regional, national, and international brewers to come up with the best collaborations and uh, then serving them at their brew festival. Well. Yeah. So tickets go on sale right this second. Oh, figures. Right this second. And uh, the festival is April 2nd. So. Okay, but here's my question. Yeah. The brewers that they're inviting for that. We're all pro I brewers, call. I'll bet. I didn't get a call. They're all pro brewers. Uh, I, I'm betting they do some sort of pro-am as well, so like a pro-amateur yeah. type thing. I'd be interesting. A lot of the brew stuff here, competitions, they'll do a pro-am. Yeah. And so they'll mix a pro guy here with an amateur. Okay. So I know the guys over at the uh, Portland Beer Club podcast. Yeah. Uh, one of those guys has entered a pro-am a couple times. So Interesting. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, kind of, kind of cool stuff. Yeah. Going out to Denver or having somebody from Denver recognize you here, probably not happening. Probably not. Not unless you're a good brewer. Unless you make a saffron beer. Super expensive. And they want to do a saffron collaboration. They'll give that out as the uh, the winners each get a saffron bouquet beer. Along with curry. There you go. You ever have curry beer? Yeah, no, curry I'm not a big fan of. <laughs> neither am I. Not I'm not a big fan remote. of saffron either after that beer. Can you imagine putting a curry and a saffron in the same beer? Oh, no. Dude, <laughs> all I know is I dumped out about roughly a case of that beer. Why? Because it was horrid. I you couldn't, had buyers. And I couldn't, sm- like, I couldn't even, yeah, the like. smell was. Oh, it was horrid. Every yeah. time, it, it took me probably a month after drinking that. <laughs> to clear that smell out of my nasal passages. Yeah, I mean the idea I here. Couldn't get is, it out of there. I was supposed to use just a small pinch of this uh, saffron crazy. for this uh, six-gallon batch, and I was like, "Oh bullshit! That's six a teaspoon? That's nothing." Okay, listeners, as you all know, probably every one of you know Jason, either on a personal level. That's probably all of you. But for those occasionals that are not in the United States, you know him from the podcast. Jason doesn't do shit at normal levels. I do. I do stuff my way. He does the Rogers way, <laughs> which is usually like either double to triple the amount of what should be there. Yeah. So I took the bottle of saffron and dumped it in the six-gallon batch. Like, here we go. There's 90 bucks of saffron right into the batch. Into a five-gallon batch of beer. Well, who who would have thunk that a teaspoon uh, would have been the right dose it's on pretty that? pretty powerful. Pretty oh, powerful stuff. Dude, I will never do it again. <laughs> and I probably will never cook with saffron. So I did look up how to grow saffron. Yeah? It's an orchid. No. 
Isn't it? No, it's the little iris. No, not iris flowers. It's the crocus. Crocus, crocus flowers. flowers. Yeah, and so there's ones that come about right now. And they've got very, very limited harvest time. Yeah, their little stymens come out. Their little sex organs. Yeah. And as soon as their sex organs turn orange like your uh, jacket there. You castrate it. You castrate it. You snip them off. But you got to use some scissors. That ain't orange. Some scissors or tweezers. Like little snippers? Little tweezers. All right. To Hold on to that. You should probably be pretty good at that. <laughs> I'm very good. I was just pitching the softball over and over until you swung at it. Here Come we on. go. <laughs> Swinging for the fence, folks. Uh, all right. That's all I got. Beer news. All right. Beer news. Did you learn anything there? <laughs> I learned a lot. You learned about tweezers? Tweezers. Simon. Saffron. Saffron. Yeah, Bud Light Zero Carb. Bud Light Zero Carb pitching their softball at the right time. I got an idea. What's that? We need to get a bottle of that uh, Black Butte Porter. Okay. Non-alcoholic version. And we're going to try it side by side with a regular bottle. I think that's smart. We haven't done one of our foil ones in a while. We haven't. That would be a fun foil blind. Make us both look stupid like, you know. Like every other blind taste test, oh, we've done. acting like a teenage schoolgirl, like <laughs> acting like I'm drunk. Woohoo! And it's like, oh wait, yes. that's the non-alcoholic beer. Oh, I'm so drunk. Woohoo! Hammered. Hey, uh, idiot. That's non-alcoholic. Okay, I classic. Think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, how's the beer going? So you still stuck? You know, it, it never unstuck. Which really disappoints me, but here's what throws me through a loop, and anybody listening that knows anything about brewing, if you know what I'm going through, email us, let us know. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious on this one. So I dumped four tablespoons of priming sugar in there to try and re-kickstart the fermentation. The... Gravity didn't change, which I didn't expect. I expected it to actually go up because of adding sugar. So it probably did that. It We got a little bit of reaction because I saw some bubbling going on in the bubbler. But then it stalled out again. And it Weird. stalled out at 1.027. So I'm like, all right, fuck this. I closed the valve to see if anything was going on. Yeah. Two days later, opened the valve, and it damn near blew the cap off. Really? So there was something going on. But then as soon as it gassed off for like two and a half minutes, then nothing again. We need to get the tilt guy back on, because my tilt has like... I've got something going on with mine. Yeah, there's something maybe going on with our tilts. I don't know. Maybe we need to recalibrate or something. But... uh, so I'm, I'm using it as an experiment batch now. It, it's From what I'm getting reading-wise, it should be at about 3% ABV. So I said, okay, fuck that. We're going to do this. I'm going to close the valve off, and I'm going to put the beer under pressure. See what happens. See if it will absorb that CO2 that it's producing, which I don't know why it's producing if the yeast isn't doing anything. Um... And keep going from that route. And then I've dropped the temperature every day 5 degrees. So I'm now at, I believe, 45 degrees. And I'm going to drop it till I get to 35. Because what I'm looking for now is 
what's it take to drop all the sediment out of that beer? Yeast, everything. Just completely drop it out. Yeah. And by having it capped off, am I going to have enough CO2 in there that when I bottle it, it's just naturally carbonated? Talk to me about your yeast. Where'd you buy your yeast? What'd you do? See, I bought the yeast at... Um, oh, where did I get that? East Side Steinbart's. Oh. I got it over at Steinbart's. So, so it's a fresh yeast culture. It was fresh yeast yeah. cultures. So I'm not. Was it a dry sure. yeast or a no wet yeast? Wet, wet I used culture? Imperial okay. Pub yeast. Oh, uh, which is that's two hundred, um, two hundred cell, two hundred billion cell count, which is usually yeah, your normal pitch rate. Did you aerate? Did you do I did. Oxygen? I pumped oxygen into that thing. I did everything. Did you add nutrients? I did not add nutrient. Hmm. And maybe that's what it was, but I've rarely ever had to add nutrient to enter my batches. Interesting. So the only thing I can think of is one of the things that you brought up before is maybe the pH is off. For some odd reason, maybe the pH was off. I don't know. I mean, it's, you're not you're not doing anything with... Like tomato paste or lemon juice or anything like that. No, but what I did do is I took Mecca Grades grains and I used one of their specialty grains, which is Opal 44. Uh, and I made that almost 100% of the grain bill, oh. which they said you could do. Right. But my Opal 44 was over six months old. So your starting gravity was what? 1.058 or 5.9. And you're down to 2.7 or 2.4? 1.027. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So you're about halfway through, probably sitting at 3%. Yeah. Um, Weird stall out point. Yeah. Well, I mean, see what it does with what you're doing. I kind of think um, once, you, once you get done Mickey Mousing with what you're doing i think we crack the top because you can crack it mm-hmm. yep. and let's check a refractometer i'm gonna do a refractometer reading on and then i would also um, dip it with some ph t- uh ph paper i've got none of that i've got it so yeah. um let's dip it and see what it comes back at yeah and then you ruled out two different things at that point right um I'd probably do a temperature reading just to make sure you're because you were having some issues with your thermostat. With my for a thermostat, while. yep. So and like my issue was my thermostat. Remember, like oh, I was talking. Oh yes. About, yeah, and so as soon as I did that, I've had no issues. Well, see, here's the really weird thing: in is I've done the thermostat reading based off my ETC. Yeah. And I've checked that. Against your tilt, the tilt, yeah, and they're dead on. That's exactly what mine was doing. They're though, remember? both dead on. My ink well, my uh, thermal well, uh, inkbird thermal well that was sitting in the thing was mm-hmm. reading such and such, and then the tilt was reading, and I was like, "What the heck?" And it wasn't until I cracked it open and took a manual temperature that I was like, "Oh, it's sitting at fifty-eight degrees." So they were both off. Yeah. So then I had to recalibrate everything. Yep. So, um, so yeah, I. And then I'm having issues with the gravity now on that yeah. tilt. So, yeah, I think that is my tilt. I noticed that the uh, gasket is all kind of junky. 
and I noticed like inside there's some condensation, like maybe it's Ooh, getting a little you moisture. might have a leak going. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think I need to replace the little gasket thing. Yeah. But yeah, mine yeah. haven't had that issue yet. But you and I talked a problem, talked about a problem with the 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 uh, tilt that I was having when we had the tilt guy on originally. And that was, it was about a 20 degree difference yeah. in my temperature. That was mine recently. Mine yeah. still does that. Yeah. Still does it. So I let it equalize and then I go from there. That's when I usually pitch is when the two agree when I'm supposed to pitch. So maybe it's because the tilts need and recalibrated. Maybe. It's the only thing I, I can don't think know. of. We'll have to take a look. I mean, I would, I would crack it, but I would give it another week doing what you're doing and see what it does. I'm so. probably going to crack it on uh, Saturday after I get back from uh, mandatory training. There's no reason that something with the right pH, enough sugar. I mean, yeast, yeast will ferment a bottle of apple juice sitting in the fridge if you let it sit too long. So, yeah. Like, it's the simplest process ever. So. Well, and what even throws me worse though is i did the original pitch gave it a couple weeks then i pitched again yeah and it still didn't do anything yeah yeah and so again it may it's pressurizing it's doing something because you're it is getting now pressure, yeah so. but i don't know all right we'll have to crack it open well i've got a uh, couple different things going i have the uh vodka wash is still just doing its thing down there so it's slowly trickling down. It's about a half of what it is. So I'm going to give it another week. And then I started a uh, apple brandy wash today. So oh, really? Yeah. So so that'll be like kind of just a we had some apple juice that was going bad in the fridge yeah. before it turned to vinegar. I was like, eh, let, let's see what I can do here. So well, now that's an, that's an interesting concept. So you've got this apple juice sitting in the fridge. Yeah. And you're tasting it. And you're like, it's doesn't taste normal it's starting to go bad what's your timeline before that goes to vinegar that you can still use it to distill with to get alcohol out of it not just get vinegar well it tasted still good and but the bottle had that overpressurized feeling to it oh okay so it was I get fermenting you. It was in the gassing. bottle yeah yep so it's going to ferment first, and then once it eats all the sugar, then it's going to go towards vinegar. Gotcha. And okay. so we were getting a little bloat in the bottle, and so the idea was like, all right, let me chop up some other apples, and then uh, blend it with some other apple cider. Okay. And uh, we live down the street from Oregon Heritage Farms, so <laughs> fresh apple cider, and uh, there you go. That's what we got, so we'll see We'll see how it goes. I'm just cool. going to run kind of a small batch on it i think i did a couple gallons on it yeah so, um gravity came off at uh six eight one oh six eight so we'll see how that goes on the way down so it'll take a little while that um that vodka wash i've got down there came off at uh one oh six eight as well so some pretty high gravity stuff what yeast you using on it the daddy and he just seems to be picky lately uh, or has he been churning through it all? No, I think he's getting a little long in the tooth, but um, I'm giving him a thing. I've got some turbo yeast I may d- dump in if things aren't okay. moving quicker, but I'm giving Daddy the benefit of the doubt. But <laughs> I do need to probably, I mean, those first half dozen fermentations with the Daddy. Um, <laughs> so are you like, re-harvesting? No. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I got like a one pound sack of 
<laughs> yeast that came with this thing. So it's old. And, yeah, I got you. Yeah, okay. So it's a couple of years old now. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And then I've got uh, makings for tequila coming up soon. So mm. I bought a whole bunch of agave, and I'm going to small batch. I'm actually going to uh, small batch it. So, yeah, I'm going to do that. Come on. No, you can have that. You can have it all. We have Cinco de Mayo coming up. we got to get that bad boy no. going. So. And if you remember, I still have that specialized tequila yeast I had to buy that was like 15 bucks a sack. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, you got to use that. Yeah. So, All right, buddy. Well, I think um, that's all I've got for the night. So we uh, huge thanks to uh, Hollis over at Skookum, now Evergreen. Yes. So, and... Um, Huge thanks to Art Lawrence. Again, we look forward to uh, coming to the Hills Brew Fest. And it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a blast. So try to pull Tim into it and maybe bring a couple buddies with us. Yes. And we're going on Sunday. My only fear about Sundays is, is there going to be enough beer? Maybe. I think so. Maybe. I think so. I think we'll be fine. My, my, only, my only concern there is that people haven't had a lot of beer fests. So they're all going to show up and drink the hell out of it? You know, they could. They could clean it completely out yeah. before Sunday even shows up. So I want to be there opening the, the COVID doors. stuff, right? Opening doors Sunday. All right. And then we're just going hard. <laughs> no, because we both have to work Monday morning. Unlike Tim. Yeah, that's true. True story. <laughs> I'm going to uh, Cabo San Lucas like the week after that. What? Yeah. Huh? Say it isn't so. Going to learn how to make tequila from a little man in a back hallway somewhere. I, I hope you did your research. Why? Because Cabo San Lucas is a freaking powder keg right now. Really? Yeah. Eh, yeah. Mm. I'm speaking the universal language. I'm hoping so. Tequila. <laughs> Tim Beers. Thanks for listening to the Portland Tim Beers Podcast. Be sure to visit the Portland Tim Beers Podcast on ACAST.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. If you love the Tim Beers Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time, Tim Beers. Tim Beers.